This show is for the sales leader who knows they have a pivotal role in driving outstanding sales results. Getting hired or promoted to manage a sales team is a big accomplishment, but you know you have to work hard to become a great sales leader. You are listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Here's your host, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders from around the world, Matt McDarvey. Hello and welcome to this very first episode of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. I'm Matt McDarby, veteran seller, leader, and coach and advisor to elite sales leaders all over the world. I'm so excited to have you listening. Welcome to the Divine Comedy of Sales. So why this podcast? Well, this podcast and the book that preceded it have been created with you in mind. You're either a current or aspiring sales leader who wants to learn what makes great sales leaders, well, great. And what do I mean by great? You know, for the last 13 years or so, I've had the privilege of coaching and advising sales leaders in a lot of different organizations. I've also functioned as an interim sales leader in a handful of places. And of course, prior to starting this practice, I was a VP of enterprise sales and have been a sales manager, a team leader in a few places. So because my practice is focused purely on sales leadership development, I think I have sort of a unique view of what it is that separates great sales leaders from average ones. And that's really what this show is all about. So at the start, the big idea here really is that great sales leaders approach their work differently than average leaders do. No kidding, Matt, right? Of course, that's what makes them great, right? But what I want to talk about today as we launch the podcast is to zero in on what are the three big ways that I see in my practice, my everyday work that separates great sales leaders from average leaders. So in a nutshell, right, great sales leaders approach their role and their work differently than average leaders do. One of the first ways that they separate themselves from average leaders is that great leaders demonstrate a will for the good of others. Now, willing the good, extending goodwill, goodwill is a, a wonderful word. If you look at the dictionary, it means benevolence, kindness. I found a great definition in an old British dictionary, and it said goodwill means kindly interest. So great leaders extend, they demonstrate kindly interest toward others, toward their teams, toward their clients, toward their peers, to the leaders they report to. You know, and that word, that word goodwill also conjures up that most beautiful of phrases that we hear, especially at Christmas time. Some of us would know it as the Gloria, and it goes very simply this way. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. It's such a beautiful phrase because at Christmas time, we're really trying to extend goodwill and love to everyone, right? It is an inclusive love to people of goodwill. It doesn't mean to people of a certain denomination or a certain belief system, but peace to people of goodwill. So when I hear goodwill, my mind goes straight to the Gloria and then, of course, well, to God. Yeah, but Matt, we're talking about sales leadership here, right? Is there godliness in the way great sales leaders function? Actually, yes, I, I think there is. Now, that's my view, right, based on the work that I've done over the last uh, you know, dozen or so, 13 years. But of course, I'll allow you to decide as you listen. 
And we're going to be having conversations with leaders all about how do they extend goodwill? How do they demonstrate that kindly interest to the people on their teams, to their clients, peers, et cetera? So that's one significant way in which great leaders differentiate themselves from average ones. The second way in which great sales leaders separate themselves from average leaders is they understand how to create value for others. Now, at its heart, value, it's a word we hear a lot, right? Value happens or we deliver value when we help others see things differently. Now, I think Neil Rackham and John DeVincentis and their teams from Huthwaite and McKinsey really nailed the definition of value back in, in 1999. Uh, they wrote a book together called Rethinking the Sales Force. If you haven't read it, maybe that title rings a bell. Maybe you read it a long time ago. Pick it up again. But if you haven't read it, do so, please. It's a brilliantly written book. It was ahead of its time. I'll summarize a few ideas here as they pertain to value, because that's really what the point is. That Rackham and DeVincentis and their teams conducted a little bit of research, not just a little bit, but they looked at many hundreds of transactions where buyers had chosen to do business, right? They purchased a product or a service. They'd chosen to do business with a provider who was not the low price provider, which on the surface, if you think about it, if they're, you know, if they can get the product and service from, from any number of different providers, why would they ever choose to pay more than they needed to. And that was what really what Rackham and DeVincentis wanted to investigate. And they presented their findings in this book I'm, I'm referring to, Rethinking the Salesforce. So simply put, a few things they found. One, that the value, right, as buyers described, value really had nothing to do with the product or service that was being sold. Instead, value came from how the seller interacted with them. So I mentioned earlier, value happens when we help others see things differently. That's what was at play in the transactions that the buyers identified for Rackham and DeVincentis many years ago. They told them that those sellers helped them to see unrecognized problems, to identify unseen opportunities in their business, to arrive at unanticipated solutions, right? Solutions or approaches they could not have come up with on their own or that those sellers or selling organizations really functioned like brokers of capability or brokers of strengths, meaning they really invested heavily in understanding the business outcome that the client wanted. And because of that, they were able to sort of cobble together a solution, which may not have even involved anything that was sort of off the shelf or easily available through that supplier, but they understood what the client was trying to achieve and were able to put together a solution that was a value, right? So that's really what, we're, what I mean by helping others to see things differently. Unrecognized problems, unseen opportunities, unanticipated solutions, and brokering capabilities. That's what really what Rackham and DeVincentis and teams found. Driving great sales results is hard. Doing it consistently is even harder. There are so many obstacles that can prevent you from becoming the most effective sales leader you can be. Find practical advice you can apply right away by picking up your copy of Matt's book, The Divine Comedy of Sales, at www.divinecomedyofsales.com. Now, I loved that research, and as many of you know, I did. I worked for Huthwaite for about six, seven years, 
And so really respect the research that Rackham and team did. So what did I do? Well, I replicated it. I did it myself. I, I did a version of this research in 2014 and 2015. So my own primary research and essentially asked the same few questions of buyers to try to understand, okay, it was 15 years after Rackham and DeVincentis' original research. Has that definition of value changed? For the most part, the findings of my research validated what Rackham and DeVincentis had already found, but there was one wrinkle. The buyers that I surveyed added trust to the list of value drivers. Perhaps no surprise, right? But to net it out, we will explore how great leaders help their teams to see things differently and also how they build trust. Definitely an area we'll explore in subsequent episodes. I said earlier that there were really three big ways in which great sales leaders separate themselves from average leaders. And the third is that great sales leaders look at business issues and opportunities primarily through a development lens. What that means is they know their role is to help others to succeed or that the best path to achieving success is development. Let me give you another definition, right? What does develop mean? Well, to develop means, if you look at the dictionary, one definition is to bring out the capabilities or the possibilities of something, to bring to a more advanced or effective state. So if I'm looking at my business issues and opportunities as a leader through a development lens, I'm looking at all of the available resources, particularly the people in my organization, right? I want to bring out the capabilities or possibilities of those great people. I want to bring their effectiveness to a more advanced state. And a great sales leader never abandons their role as a developer of talent. When a difficult challenge arises, great leaders focus on development. They know that you cannot simply hire and fire your way to success. You cannot churn through talent simply because the numbers are down, right? You've got to look at the business through a development lens. And this is really one critical way in which the best sales leaders that I know, the people that lead their organizations, not only to success periodically, but sustainably, that they look at their business, the big challenges, the big opportunities through the lens of a talent developer. So you might hear that and think, well, what does that look like? How can I look at my business through a development lens? And how do I maintain that role of a great developer of talent when there are so many challenges and so many tactical issues and things that just sort of come out of the blue at me as in my role as a leader? My message to you is simply this. You must, right? You must change your perspective. To look at your business through a development lens would mean you are looking at your business and functioning the way the best sales leaders do. So again, to summarize, what I've been talking about for the last uh, several minutes here is that great sales leaders approach their work differently. And I believe through observation and really going deep to try to understand how great leaders function and how that sounds different, how that looks different from how everyone else leads, I've been able to isolate these top few ways in which they are different. So one, they overtly demonstrate that they will the good of their teams. Second, they understand how and when to create value for others, that there are specific opportunities 
to create value for their teams, for their clients, for their peers, for their leaders. And then the third big idea was they look at their business issues and opportunities through a development lens. So throughout the course of this show and the many episodes to come after this, we're going to dive deeply into how great sales leaders think and act differently. And in the next episode, we're going to start with how they solve the number one problem. It's a universal problem that all sales leaders must address. Here's a little bit of a a hint or a spoiler. It's about time, right? They've got to address this problem of time. I don't have enough time to do important things well. So that's what we will explore in the next episode of The Divine Comedy of Sales. Until then, this is Matt McDarby, author and host of The Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Bye-bye for now. Look forward to seeing you soon.